Well, welcome to the Speak With People podcast. My name is Jason Rates, and I am so excited that you are joining us today. This podcast exists because we believe that our words matter, and we believe that healthy communication is oxygen for our relationships and our leadership. So whether you communicate one-on-one, on a team, from a stage, from behind a screen, however you communicate, we want to challenge you, hopefully inspire you, encourage you to always choose to communicate in healthy ways. We know that your world will be for the better when you do, and we know that it will drastically improve your relationships and your leadership. Well, welcome to today's episode. I am so very excited about it because I get to interview someone uh, a little bit special to me. He is uh, one of my children, so he's a bit special, but he is uh, our second born child, and I'll tell you a little bit more about him in a second. But we are in our our final week of the family series that we've been doing here on the podcast. And we've covered so many topics in this amazing series. If you've missed any of them, would just be honored if you go back either on the website or YouTube or however you listen to podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google, and listen to those. But today we finish with a really sensitive and a really important topic. And we're talking about mental health. We're talking about how to communicate about mental health. And it's so personal and it's such an important topic because so many people are dealing with it depression and anxiety and panic attacks. And so we're going to hear from someone today who has lived through what we're going to attempt uh, to talk about. And this is going to be a, a difficult conversation, but we hope that it will really help many of you as uh, maybe some of you struggle with some mental health issues or you have children who struggle or a spouse or a friend or a coworker or someone. So this one really hits home because I get to interview Bobby Rates. And we're going to talk with him uh, more about just his journey uh, through a, a season with uh, depression and anxiety. So, Bobby, welcome to the podcast. Hello. Hello. It's so good to have you. Hey, in your words, could you just, uh, I mean, I can because I'm your dad and I absolutely adore you. But I thought maybe you could just give us a little bit of, you know, a look into your life and your story uh, through your lens. Oh, I'm Bobby. I'm 20 years old. Uh, I enjoy reading, playing games with my friends. Well, let me back up there for a second. Sorry. When you say you enjoy reading, like, I mean, we're talking like <laughs> lots of reading. Like, what's the track? Don't you have like a tracker on your phone or something? How many books you've read or yeah. ages or something? For one app, I have, uh, tells me the total minutes read and total books read. So come on, indulge a little bit. How many, like how many? It's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. So you're, you are a reader. Okay, I interrupted you. Keep going. Uh, well, that's it about me. Um, I'll throw in a few things. At the the height of it, how fast could you solve a Rubik's cube? Uh, just shy of fifty seconds. Okay. Okay, but could you juggle at the same time and solve? Well, I mean, keep up with that kid on YouTube. You know what I'm saying? And then, uh. You also kind of have a, a hobby, if I could just, you know, to kind of take us a little deeper into your story. Like when it comes to video games and, you know, online stuff, like you love gaming and all of that. I do. You really do. I do. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Well, hey, uh, we're just going to dive into this and we're doing this conversation today because I end up talking with a lot of people who are parents who have kids who went through somewhat of what you went through. 
everybody's journey is different, obviously. Uh, but depression, anxiety, panic, it just affects so many people. And if you're listening today and you've dealt with those kind of things, um, I hope that this conversation and what we're about to dive into is healing for you, gives you some hope and uh, encouraging. So uh, when we kind of think about your story, I'll kind of tell it a little bit from my angle and then you could kind of go through and correct me or, you know, add anything through it. But probably around your eighth grade year, eighth grade year, 13, 14 years old, uh, we didn't notice it at the time, but we started to notice that you were a little bit more withdrawn. You wanted to be alone a little bit more, which is kind of not abnormal for you know teenagers because they're like, hey, get me away from my family, please. And we have a giant family and we're a bit crazy and chaotic. So that was all understandable. But I'll never forget uh, one moment in, in particular. We're pulling up to a baseball game and... You didn't want to get out of bed, mm-hmm. and you couldn't communicate to us what was going on. And unfortunately, your dad responded in a very unhealthy way because I got really upset and frustrated because, you know, unfortunately, so much of my parenting, uh, my identity as a dad was tapped into you and your brother because you played the sport that I love and you guys were good, very good. And I coached you for many years. And so I started freaking out because you didn't want to get out of the van. And your team was waiting. Everything was waiting. And so do you remember that day? Like, can you take us into that a little bit more? I do. Um, it it was, it was a lot of buildup, like, leading up to that game in particular where I think it was the first time I um, sort of just snapped. Um, and when you say snapped, we don't mean like crazy wild reaction. It was like um, a a powerful panic attack that stunned you. It was a lot of emotions all at once that I didn't know what to do with. Um, it it you know it, it feels like the the world sort of like closing in on you, and you don't know how to I don't know to escape it. Yeah. Um, and I didn't know. I didn't know what was wrong. Um, just, just trying to, I don't know, tell what was wrong with me. Just, you know, ended up making me feel worse. Yeah. Because I felt like I was, I don't know, something was wrong with me in particular. Um, but yeah. And so, oh boy, like going back to that day specifically, you know, we're all sitting in the van. It's all six of us. I'm trying to get you to get out because we're already late because we're a family of six and we can't ever be on time. It's just, it just doesn't, it doesn't happen. It, it just can't happen. And you full blown panic attack. And mom and I are trying to figure out what's wrong with you. Your brother's trying to hop over you to get out. You know, your sisters are, we're all trying to figure it out. And I respond, I mean, we've talked about this so many times over the years. I mean, this is at this point now, eight years ago or something, seven years ago. Like I responded so miserably, yelled, was frustrated. I just didn't know. So that kind of started in my view. And you can tell me if, if I'm wrong, you know, kind of the downward spiral to just like a deeper and darker place that the de- depression and anxiety took you. Yeah. So fast forward, then we, you know, you're a freshman in high school and then things are starting to keep, you know, 
going downwards. And then finally we get to your sophomore year and then it's just, you made it through your freshman year and then your sophomore year, it's like the wheels just came off and, you know, missed many days of school. And then by October of that year, that's like a couple of the infamous, like I would drop you off at the door, you would walk into the school, beeline it to the bathroom, and then that's when the panic attack would just strike you down. And so, you know, that was the, we would, you would text me or mom and try to figure out, you know, and, and we were trying to balance, like, to tell you, you can do it, you can stay, you can accomplish it. And then, you know, there were some of, some of those occasions where you were just like, Dan, I can't do this. And I would come into the bathroom and you would, you know, you would be totally stunted, totally in full-blown panic mode. And, you know, we would try to get out get you out of there. And so how... How long would it take you to recover when you had those full-blown panic attacks? Uh, more than I would like to think. Um, because I'd, I'd get so worked up and so, I don't know, feeling so helpless. It, it As soon as you get to a point where you calm down, you just feel incredibly drained. Like, I don't know, you just, the, like, metaphorically, just, like, fought for your life. or yeah. I, I just, I would be exhausted and drained both like mentally and physically. Um, I would go to sleep pretty much right after I got home and just try to, I don't know, I don't know, get away. And you would sleep for hours, yeah. like 12 hours, 15 hours, 18 hours. That's what the panic attack. And when you say like, when we say panic attack, Bobby's version of it, it wasn't like, big, deep, crazy, you know, like outward, but it was like inward, you were like blowing up. I, I would, it would feel like I was, I was hyperventilating. I felt like my heart was pounding. I was going to come out of my chest and I just felt like any moment I was going to explode and I was just trying, you try to stay calm in those moments, but it, it rarely goes that way. Um, you just feel incredibly helpless um because you don't know what's going on you don't know what's causing it and yeah, obviously and then you have family members who are trying to help you right because that's all we wanted to do but then we were freaking out because we didn't know how to help you and then you didn't know how to communicate with us and we didn't know how to communicate with you so i mean it was it was hell it was it was just hell on both of our little first it wasn't fun <laughs> And so that, that kind of started some months then of not, of you not being able to go to school. And so mom and dad's listening, you know, that was, you know, I mean, every single morning, uh, and I'm still in my phase of not knowing how to deal with this, how to work through it, how to help my son. And so I, I was just an idiot. Like I, I would come into your mornings, your room some mornings, try to get you up. You know, you, you would lay there silently. You wouldn't say anything. I mean, it was just impossible. And then mom and I, you know, my wife and I would try to figure out who's going to call school this time. And so it was like, shoot, did we call early enough? We could get the answering machine. Are we going to get somebody live and say, you know, Bobby's not coming again. So what was it like for you during that time, knowing like I really should be in school, but here I am months and months. I'm, I'm not in there. It was, I got way too comfortable in the routine of being helpless it obviously you guys were trying to help me, but it was at a point where I I didn't want help. 
Yeah, I got comfortable in my in, in our basement, and I did not want to leave. Um, and then the longer I would, you know, stay out of school, the harder it would be to actually go back and explain to my friends and everyone who would ask, you know, what's wrong, Bobby, or and not knowing how to how to tell them what was going on, and just sort of closing almost everyone out of my life. Um, it was it was a, a a bad routine I had I'd gotten in. Yeah, I just can't imagine what that would have been like with your friends. You know, like when you when we did get you to go back. Of course, there were idiots who would say stuff. You know, and uh, and do all those kind of things. Uh, yeah. I mean, we kind of we kind of hit on it, but um, what do you think prevent like? Why do you think it was so hard to tell us what was going on? Um, a big part of it was, I thought, not not that I was broken, but that something was wrong with me. That I, I didn't want to admit or tell people because I, you know, I didn't want to be, you know, broken or I didn't want something to be wrong with me. I. It's hard to tell someone that you feel broken. Yeah. Um, especially your family, um, let alone your friends. Yeah. Yeah, it was hard. And there was months when, you know, we were trying to quote unquote help, but then, you know, our, especially me, especially if you're a parent listening, you know, my help. I got impatient. I would get frustrated. I yelled at you when you wouldn't answer, and uh, we didn't know what you know. We didn't want, we didn't know what to do. Yeah. And so being able to you know do that. What was what was some of the things that helped you cope when you were kind of in that like the deepest darkest place? Honestly, it was at that time. It was just. YouTube or, or anything to allow me to temporarily escape what was going on in my real life, um, which led into reading or anything like that. And obviously, um, you know, the few times I did hang out with my friends or had family dinners or the, the few moments where I could, I don't know, live normally um, helped me more than you know, I realized at the time, um, it was just hard to, I don't know, continue trying to live normally when I was so stuck in a routine of being by myself and letting myself, uh, stay down. Yeah. So hearing that now, I mean, hindsight's always, you know, I'm wondering if we should have then <laughs> yeah, I mean, golly, because some of, some of the times we didn't know what to do. Like, do we leave him alone? Do we, you know, do we leave? Do we just get his friends over here, you know, to spend time with? Boy, that was, uh, yeah, that was so incredibly difficult. So what was it like with your siblings at the time? Because you have three siblings, you know, you guys all care for each other. You have normal sibling stuff, but, you know, you're all living in the same house. What was it like, you know, kind of navigating that with them? It was rough. Um it was rough and fun at the same times. Um, fun in the sense that I had 
siblings that I could forget my worries and just talk normally to, but I don't know, rough in the sense that I didn't want them to think that something was wrong with me, especially my my younger siblings. Because um, I was supposed to be the, the older brother who they look up to, but I was down and they just, you know, kept going up. And I was, you know, they, they, they caught up to where the help I could give them. Yeah. And they just kept going while I was still, you know, left behind. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did you feel trapped at that time? Like, sorry. Um, I, I felt, I felt, uh, trapped in like this little hole that I dug myself in that at times I feel like I could have, you know, reached up and you guys could have helped pull me out, but it got to a point where I was so comfortable, um, being there that I, I didn't want to get out. Yeah. I'd gotten, I didn't, I don't know. I, I let myself stay there. Yeah. Um, even though I had a loving family, friends and so what was it like having a dad who overreacted, you know, and a mom, you know, trying to help you, you know, was it like, uh, were, were you like, would these people just leave me alone? Did you get frustrated with us, upset? Like, walk us through that. Oh, of course I got, I, I wanted to be left alone. And of course, you guys barging in, trying to help me, it frustrated me to no end. But I, <laughs> I know it was out of love um you guys weren't just you know trying to i don't know mess up my life but <laughs> um i would i would get frustrated i a few times i was i was thankful because there were a few times where i was pushed to go to school um to connect with friends um that did help um it was just it was just me being overly comfortable and i don't know ignoring the help that you guys were trying to give me. Yeah. Um, yeah. So fast forward, you know, we saw, you saw a counselor for a long time. We saw a psychiatrist, you know, did, did any of those conversations help? Did seeing those, you know, like medical health professionals like help, or do you feel like, you know, hindered? Walk us through that. Oh, it, it, um, we went through a few counselors i think only two right yeah i'm trying to remember the one guy's name doctor i don't remember the he was a, done. he was like 89 years old but he looked like he was 40 dr robin dr robin he the the getting me out of the house and getting someone who i could i, I felt comfortable talking about my problems because i knew they weren't you know in my life like the people surrounding my life that i could just freely talk to and not have to worry about, you know, yeah, talking behind my back or just being able to, to talk to someone freely, it, it did help me a lot. Yeah. Um and just learning a few a few simple like simple tricks as like as simple as just breathing exercises to help cool me thing. yeah when I was panicking or stuff to help me get out of my unhealth routine. Um it was it was very helpful. I wouldn't have I wouldn't admit that at the time. There's no, there's no way I would have. But, but you were never like uh, pain about it. Like, yeah, sometimes you just would not leave. Yeah, and we had to figure it out. But sometimes you were, you know. I remember that one psychiatrist we went to. That she, I mean, she like scared the life out of me. She was so like, 
hardcore. Like she spoke and I like, you know, my whole back stiffened up. But I feel like, you know, people are in all different places when it comes to that. The uh, It sounds like what you're saying is you feel like a lot of this was you, but I, I know when it when it comes to mental health stuff, I mean, so much of it is there is something that's not clicking right in your brain. And for whatever reason, so many people, if you broke your arm tomorrow, you would go to the doctors. But because there's a mental health problem, they think, oh, no, I can figure this out. I don't need to go to a doctor to figure this out. You know, was it hard for you to, like, get over that at all? Or were you like, no, I need help. And so I'll, I'll see. I, I definitely wasn't in a position where I would have told you guys I needed to go to a doctor. It was it part of going to see a doctor was you know it, admitting there was something wrong with me but um you guys getting me to a counselor psychiatrist it it did more help than i think most most things did yeah um talking to someone who actually you know could tell me like word for word what was going on in my head um that it was actually pretty normal and you know that they actually you know, knew how to help me and yeah. the steps that I needed to take to get better. Yeah. Um, so put yourself in my shoe, you know, 15 years from now, 12 years from now, whenever you have kids and you have a teenage son or daughter and you're going through this, like I, I've already admitted, man, I've said a lot. Of, I said a lot of horrible things. I, I, I mean, I didn't yell at you or those kind of things. I was just frustrated trying to figure out how to help you. Rightfully so. You know, oh, well. Uh, and in the beginning I didn't, I didn't quite know how to do that, but give some parents some advice on how to talk to their kids who are going through depression or anxiety or panic attacks. Um, well, it is definitely important to give some personal space, obviously a healthy amount. Um, but not coming at them from a, like an authoritative standpoint of not necessarily like forcing them to to seek help but to you know let them know that you are there for them um that you're not you're not you know just stuck in the hole by yourself that there are people willing to to help pull you out yeah um yeah yeah no that's that's huge so fast forward we finally in our journey we found a place called the Amon clinics that uh, Dr. Daniel Amon runs. You can check out his stuff. We'll put the links in the podcast show notes. And uh, he's a relatively famous guy. If you go on YouTube or Facebook, you'll see his videos everywhere. And so we started searching the Amon clinics and we're like, we got to get Bobby there. He's one of the first psychiatrists ever to, uh, he, he just kind of felt like psychiatrists are the only medical doctors who aren't looking at the organ that they're, they're diagnosing or prescribing medications for. Because we did go down the road the road with medications and we didn't know which ones were working and which ones weren't. And some doctors subscribe more than others. And so, so we got to had this miracle journey of getting you to the Amon clinic. Uh, we couldn't afford it. It was thousands and thousands of dollars. And so, you know, my wife and I, mom and I, we didn't know what else to do. So we went on Facebook and we just did a video and we said, Hey, would you help us get Bobby at that point? Lots of people knew. Now I, I wasn't on Facebook telling everybody my son had depression, I know, but I bet there was also horrible pressure, though, on you when you did come to church because I was the pastor and some people knew what you were going through. You know, did it ever create awkward moments where you just felt like, why do you have to tell everybody what's going on with me? It, there were times where I definitely didn't help when, 
my friends at church, I knew talking to their parents that, of course, their parents knew, and then, uh, of course, probably their kids knew, and it was it was weird trying to explain to them what I what I was going through during the week and not just at church that that I knew that they they definitely they definitely knew uh, what was going on. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it wasn't it wasn't like uh it wasn't horrible. Yeah. It was just it created embarrassment. It 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 did. did. Yeah. Uh, so we found this place within 24 hours we raised like $6500 and people from all over the country gave to this. And so this was like uh 3 months into covid so literally everything was shut down. But they still let us come. So you and me and mom, we drove to Chicago because they have an office in Chicago. They have like eight offices nationwide. And they put you through this gamut of tests. So blood tests, all these online tests. I mean, you had to do so many. So We had to do so many. So then you go in and they make you fall asleep and then they scan your brain. And then the next day they like keep you awake and then they scan your brain while you're doing all of this stuff. And then a week later, we get on the phone, on the, on the Zoom with your psychiatrist and she literally, she tells us everything about you in such an intimate, like deep personal way that the three of us are looking at each other going, how in the world does she know these things? <laughs> it was weird, right? Yeah. But what she was able to do then was pres- subscribe a, like a man of a very, you know, succinct uh, script for you. And so, I mean, the big thing was, right? They changed your diet like crazy. Yeah. So cut out all sugar all carbs, all acid, all inflammation, all dairy. Like you went on this like crazy, and mom and I went on it with you as well. Lots of cashews. <laughs> lots of cashews. And then uh, lots of other exercises and breathing exercises and different medication and then different uh, vitamins for brain flow and oxygen flow and all those different kind of things. And it it made a ton of difference. A lot. A lot. You know, so fast forward. You know, we're three years removed from that. You know, what would you say the differences are now? I uh, like night and day. Yeah. Um, not just because I'm I'm older, but I don't know, getting getting out of the routine of living very unhealthily to living semi healthily. Um, it changed more than you would think. Yeah. That, like a, it changed like a diet changed more than I thought would. I didn't think it would help me mentally as much as it did. Um, uh, but it it was like uh, it was like I took a lens cap off, and then everything was it was clear when I was when I was healthier. I could I could I could explain things more clearly. It was like a it was like the fog lifted. Yeah. Um, and I just felt better. Yeah. Yeah. Well, a year after it all. Uh, when we had, we had moved to Florida and mom and I are sitting in this living room, uh, we heard you laugh and it had been five years since we had heard you laugh. And then the next month we heard you sing a song to your little brother and we're like, we haven't heard him sing in forever. And then you were running like you're, you're still a runner. Like we like exercise, like what is Bobby doing? You know, and then hard work and then, you know, moving forward, you know, all those things were, were so incredibly important. And so if you're listening to this and your family members like in, you know, just a crazy place struggling, I would highly, highly recommend the Amen Clinics. I mean, they are absolutely incredible how they're able to help. Bobby, you still talk with a doctor from the Amen Clinics from time to time. I do. Not too long ago. I just yeah. had my checkup. Yeah. I just had your checkup and you're able to, you know, you're able to do that. So say something to a teenager 
I know, you know, maybe a, a teenager wouldn't listen to this, but maybe if their parent got them to listen to it from one person who was a teenager going through this to another person who's maybe struggling as a teenager, what advice would you say, you know, to, to, to try to help them get to that place where they're pulling themselves out of the hole? Don't be afraid to accept help from strangers. Um, especially, especially, you know, those, especially your family, because nine times out of 10, your family just wants what's best for you. Um, you don't always have to, um, you know, push yourself out of your, your comfort zone, but to even just taking little steps at a time to get to where, you know, your parents or, or friends just want you is, is huge because, you know, yeah. Yeah. No, that's absolutely huge. So I know we kind of already talked about a little bit, but give some advice to parents or family members who have a, a sibling or, you know, someone in their family going through this. What can they be doing to help? Um, obviously just giving them the benefit of the doubt. Um, it, it takes a lot for someone to admit that they need help. Um, so just, you know, pushing it in their face that they, they need help, that, you know, there's something wrong with them will just make them pull up even more. So just being there for them, not when, not when you're just trying to get them out of the basement, but just to be there for them as a friend, as a family member, um, to just let them know, uh, that you're on their side, um, does a lot, a lot, how more than you'd think. Yeah. Well, I think you are one of the bravest people that I know. And after watching you walk through those five years, you know, to see where you are now, you know, people would just have absolutely no clue. I mean, your courage, your strength, your bravery, uh, it's just phenomenal. And I know that this, you sharing your story will help other people you know, going through this because it, you just can't, you can't overcome it by yourself. You need help. And I've never, I've never been in your shoes. I've battled mild depression my entire life, seasons of up and down. I've had panic attacks and anxiety, but never, you know, never to that point. And so, you know, my advice would be don't, don't diminish what anyone is going through when it comes to mental health, you know, be exactly what you just said. Give them the benefit of the doubt. Let them know that you're on their side, be there for them. Your presence matters. Your words matter. And so, whoo! Well, Bobby, I can't thank you enough. This was incredible of you to share your story and appreciate what you're doing and who you are. So, thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, thanks for joining us uh, on this podcast today. Uh, I'm going to ask you to do a favor. It really does mean the world to us when you, sh- you know, share this podcast. So, whether you just cut and copy the link and text it to a friend or you review it on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or Spotify. Those kind of things just absolutely mean the world. Well, as a reminder, Speak With People exists because we want to help you elevate uh, healthy communication in your leadership, in your relationships. And so if we can do that, please check out the website, www.speakwithpeople.com. You'll find information about our coaching our training and our speaking and how we are able to help you. Well, thanks again 
for being with us during this family series. We sure do appreciate it. This podcast exists because words matter and we believe healthy communication is oxygen for your relationships and your leadership. So whether you communicate one-on-one on a team from a stage or from behind a screen, we hope that this time challenged you to choose to communicate in healthy ways. We know that when you do, your world will be better. Thanks so much and we'll see you next week.